1: If this is the world, if this is the earth, your heart and your mind, if it's focused on the earth, the things of this earth, the things of heaven are out of perspective and and they're blurry. But if you'll look up and have your heart and mind focused on heaven, then the things of this earth grow strangely dim. Oh yeah. There are 66 books in the Bible. Everybody say 66. And some of those books are poetry. Some of those books are history. Uh, Some of those books are prophecy. But some books are what we call doctrine, they're rich, they go deep. Romans is a book that is deep. it takes take you a year to go through the book of Romans and to do it right. Galatians is another book that's rich in theology and doctrine. Justification is the doctrinal side of many of these books that talk about theology. And the doctrine is that a person is saved not by doing good deeds, not by obeying the law. A person is saved by grace. A person is saved by the work of Christ on the cross and I don't care who you are if you put your faith and trust in Jesus you are justified Uh, your sins are forgiven that is what a lot of these deep rich books talk about but something happens if you read the text and you keep reading everybody say "Keep keep reading after these rich books of theology and doctrine Uh, establish the fact that a person is saved not by doing good works but that a person is saved by putting their faith and trust in Jesus Christ, the text oftentimes shifts. It moves into another direction. Once it establishes we're saved uh, and we're justified by Christ, it moves from doctrine into conduct. And conduct is how we live day to day as Christians this is what's known as sanctification. Those are two big words justification and sanctification. Justification is doctrine, that's theology, that's the work that Jesus did on the cross. Sanctification is that process after you're saved, where the Holy Spirit and the Word of God begins to mold and shape your life. For example, let's say there's a rascal, an old rascal. Maybe you're sitting, how many of you are sitting next to an old rascal? This old boy, he's not saved, but he comes to church and he hears the gospel and he decides to step forward and he gives his life to Christ. Well, now he's a saved rascal. He's still a rascal. He put his faith in Jesus Christ. A lot of people get saved and have no idea what it means to be saved. They just want to get saved and they want to put their faith in Jesus Christ. They want their sins forgiven. So they get saved. They have no idea about the sanctification process. And some preachers, all they preach on is justification. They never mention sanctification. Some pastors, all they preach on is sanctification and never mention justification. A good preacher will preach on both justification and sanctification. The book of Colossians is one of these deep, rich books. Chapter 2 is all about theology. There were some false teachers who tried to convince Christians that rules and regulations is what changes a person. But rules and regulations can never change a person's heart. It might keep them in check for a little while, but rules and regulations are never going to change anyone on the inside. Colossians 2 tells us, now this is chapter 2, this is all doctrine. When you were dead in your sins, God made you alive with Christ and he forgave us of all of our sins. And verse 14 says that he canceled the written code and all of its regulations when he nailed that to the cross. That's doctrine. That's justification. Question, how many of you are glad that God took the written code and the written law and all of your sins and nailed them to the cross? Oh, yeah. Oh, listen to me. We love to clap for chapter 2. Because chapter 2 is that we're saved by putting our faith in Jesus Christ. But then we move to chapter 3. We move from doctrine to conduct, and nobody likes to clap for chapter 3. Chapter 2, we're saved, we're justified, our sins are nailed to the cross. But then you come to chapter 3. Now that you're saved, now what? God expects your life to change. He expects the words out of your mouth to change. He expects your behavior to change. He expects your attitude to change. He expects your priorities to change. There are three things that should be different about you. If you understand uh, Colossians chapter 2, there's something should change about you in chapter 3. Number one, you should have a new point of view. After you get saved, you should have a new point of view. I want you to look at Colossians chapter 3. I want to show you a couple things. Now, the very first word says since. Everybody say since. Since what? Since you've been justified by faith, chapter 2. you got all the doctor stuff down. Since you're saved. You have been raised with Christ. Everybody say raised with Christ. Now take your Bibles and go back to chapter two and look at verse 12. This is important. In the midst of all that doctrine stuff, they talk about baptism, having been buried with him in baptism. See, see Colossians 2:12, having been buried with him in baptism, and then you're raised with him through your faith in the power of God, who raised him from the dead. See, I think, I think that's all theology. You put your faith in Jesus Christ. Jesus died, He was buried, He resurrected and you come forward and you get baptized and you are telling everybody you believe that jesus died you believe he was buried you believe that he resurrected you're also saying i want to die to myself i want to bury the old rascal and as you come up out of that water it's the new it's the new person right so go back to chapter three verse one since then you have been raised with christ you came out of that baptistry set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God, verse 2, set your minds on things above, not on earthly things, for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ and God. Verse 4, when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Write these two things. There's two major requests. Number one, you're supposed to set your hearts on things above and number two you're supposed to set your mind on things above this is what we call the new view the new you because the old you the old view was that your heart and your mind was set on the things of this earth but now that you're saved colossians chapter two now that your sins have been nailed to the cross We come to chapter 3. Now you set your hearts and your mind not on this earth, but now your heart and mind should be set on things above. We actually say these words. I don't even know if you pay attention when we're baptizing you. Some of you are so nervous you don't even hear what we say. Here's what we said. Based upon your confession of faith that Jesus Christ is your Lord, I now baptize you into the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And as we lower you under the water, we go buried with Christ some of you don't even hear this rise to what walk in newness of life and we have people that we baptize you and you come up by that water we say rise to walk in newness of life and you walk right into a life group you pick up a bible you start reading it and you let god begin to shape your heart and your life we have some people We baptize them. They come right up out of the water. We say, rise to walk in newness of life. They come up and they walk right back into the nightclub. You get to make the choice. Just because you're saved does not mean you lose your free will. Even after you get saved, you still have free will. You can walk wherever you want to walk. You can go wherever you want to go. But what you ought to do is rise to walk in newness of life with a heart and a mind that is now fixed on things above. If this is the world, if this is the earth... Your heart and your mind, if it's focused on the earth, the things of this earth, then the things of heaven are out of perspective and and they're blurry. But if you'll look up and have your heart and mind focused on heaven, then the things of this earth grow strangely dim. Oh, yeah. That's called a new point of view. Number two, write this down. You should have a brand new nature. Put to death whatever belongs to your earthly nature, and it has a list. Sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. And because of these things, the wrath of God is coming. I want you to write these two things down. You are to put to death sexual immorality. And impurity is kind of fits underneath that category. Lust fits under that category. Evil desires fit underneath that category. And then idolatry is anything that is more important to you than God. Anything that takes priority in your life over God is an idol, and we're guilty of idolatry. There are many lists of sins in the Bible. There's many lists of sins. But of all of these lists that Paul writes throughout the New Testament, Sexual immorality is the most often mentioned sin. And I I had to ask myself, why when Paul wrote all these lists of sins, why does he always mention sexual immorality? And the reason is because it's the most often committed sin in Paul's day. It's only a guess that I have that sexual immorality is the most often committed sin in our day. Think about all the sexual immoral things in our world today. Adultery, homosexuality, pornography, the internet where you can download anything within a few seconds. They say the internet is now where most affairs begin. And you have on your smartphone, you don't need a big, it's just right there on your phone. And there are websites dedicated to having affairs. There are websites dedicated to prostitution. There are nightclubs and strip clubs and magazines and billboards and movies. And the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter six, flee from sexual immorality. Do you know what the word flee means? Run (laughs) as far and as fast as you can. You should run from sexual immorality. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 18, I want to read the whole verse, flee from sexual immorality. All other sins a man commits are outside of his body, but he who sins sexually sins against his own body. It's different than other sins. It just is. Verse 19, do you not know that your body is a temple? This old body of clay is still a temple of the Holy Spirit who's in you the holy spirit lives in you and where did you get the holy spirit you received it from god and then it says in verse 19 you are not your own i hear so many people say this well i can do whatever i want you don't tell me what to do if i want to, i can do whatever i want no you can't now if you're a non-believer you can do whatever you want if you're not a christian go do whatever you want But once you are justified, once you become a Christian, you no longer belong to you. I don't? No, you don't. Well, who do I belong to? You belong to Jesus. That's what the next verse says. Look at verse 20. You were bought at a price. What was the price? Jesus went and died and paid all of your sins. He purchased you when he went to the cross and died for your sins. That's doctrine. The conduct is that last line, therefore you honor God with your what? With your body. You see, I've told you this before. When you, when you get engaged in sexual immorality, you actually give part of your soul away to somebody. Once you give it away, you never get it back. And then you get involved with this person. Now you commit sexual immorality here. Now you've given part of your soul to this person. Then you give part of your soul to this person. And by the time you gave your soul to three, four, or five people, now you wonder why you're so messed up. It's because you're no—you've given yourself away to so many people. The Bible says in Ephesians five verse three, among you—now this is the conduct side—among you there must not even be a hint of sexual immorality, or of any kind of impurity, any kind of greed. Because why? They are improper for God's holy people. God is looking for someone who will simply honor him. The Bible says you are supposed to honor God with your body. If you go back to Colossians 3 and put this in context, it says you're to put to death uh, sexual immorality. What this means is you're supposed to take a spear and you're supposed to put to death your old nature. That when you get saved, you can't walk back into that same old lifestyle. There should be a difference in the way that you live. And whatever it is, whatever it is, whatever sin, I don't care what the sin is. You're supposed to put those sins to death. A new view, a new nature, number three, a new set of clothes. Ooh, this is good. A new set of clothes. You're going to take off your sinful rags, your sinful deeds, your sinful ways. Look at verse 8. Now you must rid yourselves of all such things as these. You've got to rid yourself of anger. You've got to rid yourself of rage, of malice, of slander, and filthy language from your lips. Are you listening to me? There's so many of you who call yourselves a Christian, yet you continue to talk like a sailor once chapter two you've been justified by putting your faith in jesus christ you're now to have your heart and your mind set on things above you've got to put to death the things of that old nature and get rid of all those bad habits those bad sins a christian should never be uttering filthy words or filthy language from your lips you say i struggle i i understand the struggle But you've got to stop doing those things. Look at verse 9. Do not lie to each other. You shouldn't be lying to each other since you have taken off your old self with its practices. And now look at verse 10. And you've put on what? Oh, write this down. You get to put on some new garments. See, this is all in there. You take off the old garments, that old sinful stuff. And every day you get up, you put on a new stuff. All right? And it's not literal clothes. These are, these are deeds, okay? These are actions. You, some of you get up in the morning, you get in your closet, you put on your cursing clothes. These are my cursing clothes. No, leave the cursing clothes in the closet. Get on your good clothes, uh, your truthful clothes, amen? Uh, look down at verse 12. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with what compassion kindness humility gentleness patience verse 13 bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another forgive as the lord forgave you verse 14 and over all these virtues put on what put on what put on put on what our theme this year is love god and love who Oh, so every day got to get in that closet and get on your love clothes. And I want to love people today. Amen? Amen? And I want you to look again at those two things. Take off your sinful ways. Put on the new garments. And all that is is Christ-likeness. I want you to circle Christ-likeness. Just circle that. That's what you're doing. You're getting up every day. And you're just going to put on your Jesus clothes. They're not physical clothes, but they're, it's his attitude. It's his kindness. It's his compassion. It's his mercy. It's his love. You just, you just, you're going to clothe yourself in those garments each and every day. But it's one thing. Let me say this. Just because you walk around in a white robe does not mean anything. Yes, it's symbolic that you have had your sins forgiven. Oh, we clap for that. But you can wear that robe and still go out and live like the devil. Amen. Amen. I'm trying to get you to see there's two sides. There's justification and there's sanctification. And every one of you should be living every day through the Word of God and the Spirit of God living your life for the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Did you know that you actually have a rope tied right now? You've got a rope tied to Jesus? Right now. And the rope is a blood, it's a bloodline. When Jesus died on that cross and shed his blood, and you put your faith and trust in Jesus, now you're tied. You're tied to Jesus. And from time to time, you might slip. You might fall. But don't worry. You're still tied to Jesus. Amen. And as long as you're tied to Jesus, that's all that really matters. Praise God. I want you to look at this verse in Hebrews chapter 12. Since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race that's marked out for us. Verse 2 says, let us fix our eyes on Jesus. And I close with these two verses, Colossians 1. We proclaim Him, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom, so that we may present everyone perfect in Christ. Our goal is for you to be perfect. You say, oh, I'll never be perfect. Oh, we're never going to stop trying. In fact, the next verse says... uh, To this end, I labor, struggling with all of His energy, which so powerfully works in us. The Holy Spirit of God, the Word of God, when you come to church and you listen to sermons, we're trying to get you to be just like Christ as you're walking on this earth. If you had a hundred things that you were doing, and 99 were exactly the way Jesus was doing them, and there was one thing out of a hundred that you were doing wrong, guess what? We'd be trying to get you to, hey, come on over, come on over and do this. You shouldn't be doing it. Let's come over and do do this as the way Jesus would do it. We will use all our energy and all our uh, wisdom, admonishing, teaching, and preaching so that we might present everyone here perfect in Jesus Christ. Your goal is to walk on this earth and to live every day clothing yourself with Christ-likeness, and that's what I want you to do. Got the do. Some preachers preach on the doctrine side and never preach on the sanctification side. Some preachers preach on the sanctification side and never preach on the justification side. I wow. want to do both. I want to get you saved, and I want to get you sanctified.
0: It's a blessing for us to bring this program to you every day. We exist only by our faithful partners who support us through their prayers and financial gifts. Four seven seven seven. We have operators standing by and ready to take your call. You can also support us by going to our website, liftupjesus.com forward slash reach. That address again is liftupjesus.com forward slash and then the word reach. Wouldn't it be great if there were accessible answers to our spiritual problems? Just like there's a smartphone app for calculating a tip or getting directions to a local store. Most of us have heard the phrase, there's an app for that, popularized by the creators of the iPhone. Well, God has an app for the common problems faced by Christians everywhere. Are you stressed out? God has an app for that. Problem with crude language or gossip? Struggling with prejudice? Brokenhearted? Anxious? Or depressed? God has an app for that too. Pastor Dudley's book, God Has an App for That, is available now for a gift of any size to the Lift Up Jesus ministry. This helpful resource can be yours right now by calling our toll-free number 888-818-4777 That number again is 888-818-4777 You can also get God has an app for that on our website liftupjesus.com That address again is liftupjesus.com Come and explore the book of James and discover God's user-friendly solutions for some of the biggest challenges we all face daily. Get your copy of Pastor Dudley's book, God Has an App for That, today. I'm Kyle Welch, inviting you to join us tomorrow at this same time as we again lift up Jesus with Pastor Dudley.